Hello, everyone. This is Jennifer. Hi, guys. This is Dylan. We're excited to introduce our new podcast, Motif Mondays, where we talk about some great motifs in the film industry right now and how they're being used and perfected by filmmakers and actors. Today, we're meeting with HCNF mentor and LA-based filmmaker, Katie Pine, to hear a little about her experience as a filmmaker. And to celebrate the first day of Women's History Month, we want to talk about some really impactful shows in the industry right now that are ran by women, feature women, and how they're really perfecting their craft in the film industry. Yeah, yeah. And, and as a part of that, we're also going to be discussing our latest new project, HCNF Mixtape, written by head writer Leilani Downer, and the protagonist being an older woman and kind of the different dynamics of that and how that can contribute to the industry. And then so today, we found some great interviews with the casting director, Kelly Valentine Hendry. Her IMDb is going to be attached below in the comments. She's worked on a huge amount of Hollywood productions, two more recent big blowout projects, Fleabag and Bridgerton, as well as a number of other huge Hollywood hit TV shows. Uh, in the interview, uh, that'll also be provided below, Kelly talks about some of her experiences working on these projects and provides some really great tips on how to prepare and come into your casting auditions. We'll also be discussing the newest Marvel series, WandaVision. Not only does this series feature really impactful and well-rounded women on screen, it also has an outstanding writer and showrunner, Jack Schaefer. So before we jump into the discussion on these women, let's talk a little with Katie about her experience. I first started working in the industry at CNN Documentaries in Atlanta, and I started off as a full-time production assistant and then worked my way up until I was field producing shoots in different cities. Um, it was an amazing experience, such a good learning experience, and really to this day, like one of my favorite jobs, because I was working on content that I was really passionate about, that I felt like made a difference, and um, really got to tell some compelling human stories. Um, and then from there, I worked at Discovery Science Channel in Washington, D.C., um, and I learned so much about sort of working with different um, co-productions, like we worked with the BBC in the UK and different Australian production companies and got to make a ton of content um, about uh, aliens, unexplained phenomena, outer space, lots of really cool stuff. Um, I worked on series that had a lot of recreations, uh, graphics, and I even got to go to a bunch of Comic-Cons and direct a bunch of live Comic-Con panels, which was really fun. and. Uh, really cool too. Um, and then from there I moved out to LA and uh, I started working at BuzzFeed and I became a creative, uh, senior creative producer and director. And it wasn't until I came out to LA that I really was uh, experienced with the Hollywood, uh, what it was to be a director in Hollywood. And my first set that I directed was all females and it had a really cool vibe and I was like wow directing is really fun you know everyone's so chill it's all relaxed this is it was like the best day at work I had ever had um and then my next set was not all female um it was just you know your typical mostly male set with a uh, female scripty female makeup and that's pretty much it maybe one female grip or something um, and I had a totally different vibe, a lot of tension, a lot of, you know, I sort of felt like everyone on set was kind of looking at me, you know, most people on set, like want to be the director. I felt like people were like, who is this chick? What does she think she's doing? And most people thought that they could probably be doing a better job than I was. And it was so weird. Um, and that's kind of what it felt like most of the time. 
uh, you know, that I came to some sets and on some bigger shoots where I'd drive in and, you know, there'd be a PA and they would immediately direct me to hair and makeup, just thinking I was talent or something, you know, and I would just be like, no, I just, can you tell me where the producer is? And they're like, honey, I need you in makeup now. <laughs> just like, I'm the director. <laughs> okay. Um, oh yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of experiences like that. Um, and it was just so, it's so surprising every time. Um, I mean, less surprising now, but um, really taken aback the first couple of years because I had never really experienced that in my previous work. Um, you know, there was a lot of, I mean, I was a associate producer working for male executive producers, um, but that was just an experience thing um, at Discovery. So um, yeah, I mean, I was really surprised when I came to Hollywood and saw that in 2015 and to 2020, that it's still such a male dominated industry. And especially in LA, that's supposed to be so progressive. Um, yeah. Yeah, so surprising. Yeah, I mean, I guess some of the obstacles I've come across as like a, a woman in film and a woman director in Hollywood in particular, it's just like, um, you know, I started as a woman director in Hollywood in 2015. And it's just, um, I felt like a lack of trust in women in general. It's just like getting people to trust you with budgets. Um, and it doesn't necessarily matter how much experience you have, unless you've directed something that's exactly like the thing that they want you to direct, then you're really hard pressed to get the job versus another male, even if he has less experience. It's very odd. Um, I also found a lot of like barriers as far as like getting uh, taken seriously um, on set, um, you know, when I was first starting out. And, you know, sure, that's a learning curve. And, you know, that's something that as a director, you have to learn to step up. That could happen to men and women. Um, but being a petite, female, who's usually blonde, sometimes my hair is pink or purple, um, you know, but a petite female on set, uh, people typically just think that I'm talent or that maybe, you know, I should just be an actress <laughs> and not directing. Um, or that maybe I only use my looks to get where I am. Or, you know, that, that somehow you know, because of the way I look and who I am, I'm not here because of my skills. It can't be that I'm really good at what I do, you know? Um, and so, you know, I, once I sort of realized like the arena that I was playing in, I just, you know, I decided to, you know, just try to figure out the rules of the game, I guess. I guess that would be the biggest barrier when you're starting out in Hollywood is figuring out like, what the rules of the game are. And I guess like an analogy would be for like women in Hollywood, you're riding on roads on a bicycle as a woman and the roads, there's not a lot of bike lanes, you know, the men have cars and you're on a bike. And so you're constantly asking people to make bike lanes or to like move over to like not hit you, not run you over. Um, you know, and so it's sort of 
you're just constantly at a disadvantage. Um, and it's up to you to put in that extra effort. Um, instead of being upset by that, I just tried to make that extra motivation. Yeah, I think it's just about like dismantling that idea of like it's not a threat, you know? Like it's just a matter of like what's right, you know, what's fair and and really what would empower like content in general, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good good point that you hit on is I think that in the past maybe like five years or so as the people behind the camera has become more diverse, the type of content that we've seen has really boomed. There's been like so much mm -hmm. rich content um and uh, there's definitely a direct correlation um yeah. you know all these different perspectives all these different ideas um and it's been really awesome like everything that's been on you know hbo showtime like just so much awesome tv yeah um and i think uh another thing to hit on women in film is that we need to champion each other and the way it's been for so long is that there, there can only be like, there's only spot for one woman. So it's kind of made like um, in, you know, an environment for competition between women instead of supporting women. And I think what's been really great the past couple of years is there's been a lot more production companies started by women um, so that you know women can hold the per the purse strings and be green lighting um tv shows and and films um to help lift up other women because i think that that's the only way that we're really going to move ahead in the industry is if you know women are at the top um so that's been really good i think just women supporting women is so important yeah you mentioned that you had like an all-woman crew um, and do you think that really helped in that process of like, let's support each other? Yeah. I mean, just the vibe on set was so cool. It was so real. It was so chill. Um, yeah. The, yeah, everyone, it was just like relaxed and everyone was happy to be there to do their job. And there was no like, I don't know how, you know, how sometimes on film sets, there's just sort of like an underlying tension a little bit. That was just gone. Mm -hmm. The only awesome. thing that was there uh, was I just had to um, just kind of cut the chatter a little bit because everyone was like, you know, talking and having a little too much fun sometimes. But it's just because everyone was getting along. But yeah, they're just that like tension because of egos clashing just didn't even exist on set. And it was amazing. <laughs> it was so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I just read the script for Mixtape. Yeah, I mean, what I like about the story is that it's got wide appeal. It's very universal. You know, everyone experiences like their parents having disagreements and possibly, you know, their marriage ending in divorce later in life and not wanting that to happen. You know, that's something that everyone can relate to no matter what you look like and where you're from. So I think that's a great, um, you know, draw for the story. And it's really speaks a lot to the writer that they wrote in a way that it could be open to anybody. Um, so I really like that about the script. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so cool. I don't know. I thought it was really cool that the leading character was this older woman. 
um, that was one thing that I really loved because I see all these actresses, you know, who are, you know, older and I think they're so awesome, but they're so underused, you know, they're always just this supportive, you know, mom or something, you know, or aunt or grandma or whatever. And I just think that like being able to give them like a chance for powerful performances is really big. And so I think that's one of the things I like the most about, about this script is about the leading character to really go on this emotional journey is like in her 60s or 70s. Yeah, absolutely. It's really nice to get um, some of the older, uh, especially older women in Hollywood, the opportunity to have some of these like meteor roles where they're, you know, they're the star of the show and they're, you know, speaking more to what's going on in their life and their own emo emotional journey, as you mentioned. Um, so yeah, that is a really cool role for, for the mom. And um, I'm sure there's a ton of really talented women actors that could um, try out for this role. So it would be really fun to, um, to solicit auditions for this. I would love to see people come in and try out for this role. I think that this mom is a really strong woman. Um, she's someone who obviously, you know, she's dealt with her heart being broken over and over, you know, throughout her marriage of over 30 years. And that's a, a strong person to stay in that for her children and to keep hope alive for that long. And then, you know, in this moment, she's finally had it. And she's finally made the decision to live the rest of her life for herself. And that's a really hard thing to do, especially make a change like that in your 60s. Um, so I think that this is a really strong moment and a really strong character. And I think that there's, um, you know, it's the type of person that you'll know it when you see it in the room and you'll just, you'll feel that energy and they'll be able to really bring something extra to the role. And, um, you know, you'll be able to see it on the screen, you know, when they, when they speak into the camera. Yeah, I, I also think for this one that chemistry reads will be really important. You know, once you find the, the mom, which, which will be the main role, um, then finding her children, find, and just seeing how they play off of her will be really important. So I would probably cast the mom first and then have some options for different children and let them read for her. Once we have our like top selections, let them read together and, and then choose from there who looks the best on screen, who feels the most like family. Um, Cause that's something that you really can't, you can't fake, you know, having chemistry and, and a sense of familiarity between people. And that's what we really need to for them to, you know, feel like family. So those are definitely some things that I would do in order to cast this. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, I know there's definitely a lot of like, like with the young characters too, like they don't have any lines, but they have to like look like the like teenage versions of Martha and Ronald too. So there's just so much of like coordinating like family ties, but then also like wanting to incorporate like diversity and like age, gender, ethnicity, like all of that. So yeah, I'm excited to see kind of how they do that with casting for sure. Yeah, I think it's a fun challenge. I always like stuff like this where you kind of have to match the looks of people. Um, it definitely, you know, poses a challenge because you can't just necessarily choose the best performer. There's that added element there um, of, of the look, um, but there's so many amazingly talented performers that I think that it's 
it's something fun and something that you can definitely achieve is, is finding that, you know, look of, of the family, of the connections, of the younger self, and also very strong performers. So yeah, be a really fun one to cast. Yeah, I'm excited to see kind of how they do it and who they're going to go with for it. We have like a good pool of people coming in for auditions, so very excited. Nice. Yeah. That'll be really cool to see. Also, I just noticed your dog in the background laying there. It's so cute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. That's Honey Bear. Oh, <laughs> so sweet. I really love that cat that was on the networking event. That that cat was adorable. Oh, mine? Yeah. Oh, it was, it was her. It was the dog. A dog? Oh, a dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Either way. It's <laughs> so funny, though. When we were, we were at the dog park um, the other day, and there was this little boy that was just sort of, like, pointing things out and saying words like, um, ball, water. And then he looked over at her and goes, kitty. And then the mom was like, no, no, that's a dog. I was like, yeah, it's just a really small dog. And then he goes, small dog. <laughs> And then I have oh. the same way of thinking because I also <laughs> bought Kitty. <laughs> Adorable either way. <laughs> Thanks. As you kind of pushed forward, as you've networked, you know, joined these various organizations, like, and been on set, been the director, you know, and, and made these strides, like, what successes have you seen for that? Have you seen any progress? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, I learned so much, you know, I started off in an environment where I was the only female director and, you know, I was learning a lot from other males, um, you know, male directors and, um, you know, I, they were a great, some of them were great mentors and then some of them also were holding me back in a lot of ways. And it was really like a weird dynamic and hard to understand. Um, and at the time I wasn't confident in myself enough or clear enough with what was really going on in the situation um, to like to either like speak up or or change my behavior or like rise above. You know, I I was definitely afraid in a professional capacity. Um, you know, there were times where I did bring concerns to like HR, and I was just told that I was like making a big deal about it. Or, you know, um, or to my manager, I once had a manager say like, you know, um, something about like, why do you think it's all about you? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, so, you know, I think um, throughout the years, I've definitely gained a thicker skin and also realized that even if people are in positions of power, it doesn't mean that they're right. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they are considering your best interest. And I've just learned that, you know, I have to just decide for myself um, how to handle things. Um, you know, and I've also learned that not everyone's advice is the best. Um, you know, the way one director handles something might not be the way I would handle something. Um, you know, so there's some mistakes that I've made in the past that I look back on and I'm like, I would have handled that differently had I known, you know, like I maybe shouldn't have taken that advice. Um, so yeah, I mean, I learned something new on every single shoot that I have. Um, I probably directed over 70 shoots, but still every single time I'm on set, I learned something new. And I love that about this job. 
it's amazing and it's so fun. Um, but yeah, I also think I just learned how much like being a director, you really do set the tone of the set um, and of the shoot for everybody and how important that is to really like from the beginning, just make everyone feel welcome and feel important. Um, you know, and sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I've been working 17, 18 hour days to prep for this shoot and <laughs> I'm not feeling super energetic. Um, but I've learned that, you know, even if I'm going on three or four hours of sleep, like it's super important for me to like, not only stay to my shot list and make sure that we get everything, but to, you know, be a team leader um, and, you know, be diplomatic. Um, I deal with a lot of clients on set as well. So sometimes it's hard to juggle, you know, being uh, social with the crew as well as like a client, like a commercial client. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just important to pay attention to those details and, and pay attention to the people on your set as much as you can. I'm curious, do you have any like projects that you're working on right now that are like your own creative things that you're super excited about or even like industry things that are happening? Yeah, so I actually have a short film that I shot um, at the end of 2018, but I haven't released it. Um, it's a really personal story. It's based on something that I experienced. Like um, it's sort of, um, it's a story about um, a woman who has uh, sort of, a, I guess, what is it? Um, it's a story about a woman who has like an emotional breakdown at the office and is trying to conceal it from her coworkers. And it's brought on by a phone call from an unexpected phone call from a past abuser um, that she just randomly gets while she's just trying to do her job. Um, and so I think um, right now I'm gonna try to, you know, revisit that edit. I actually had to just take a break from it because it was just too much for me. Um, but that's something that I really wanna finish the edit for and just get out there. And, you know, I don't know if it'll be accepted in festivals or anything, but I think I just wanna get it finished and get it out to the world. Cause that was something that I, um, I was super busy traveling, filming, um, doing a bunch of spots for Clorox. And then I just got together a shoot, paid for it for myself out of pocket, shot it all in one day for like $1,300 and a lot of favors from, you know, from crew and friends and people um, that were really, really showed up for me. Um, so that's something I really wanna get out there. Um, yeah, other than that, I've been really doing a lot of soul searching, trying to figure out what it is that I want to do and, um, you know, what stories I wanna tell. I think we talked a little bit about um, the different ways to sort of become a director of feature films or TV. And, you know, one avenue of becoming a TV or film director is writing your own, you know, TV show and pitching it and trying to get it sold with you as the director attached. And I've recently sort of had some inspiration of something that I might want to do for that. Um, you know, the thing about that is if you take that route, that's going to be your life you know, working on that, trying to pitch it, um, developing that idea. 
uh, trying to get grants to make it or wh whatever it is um, if you take that path. So that's something that um, I've been trying to come up with an idea that I feel like is worth that time and that effort. And I think I've come up with something recently, but I still have to look into it more. Um, but it, yeah, it has like a very big like human rights um, aspect to it. And I think it would be really cool and really impactful. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Very exciting. I hope that works out for you. I can't wait yeah. to like see it somewhere. And be like, updated. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I will. Um, but yeah, other than that, I just um, I'm gonna be creative producing some recreations for a true crime show uh, starting next week. So. That'll be interesting and fun, something different that I haven't done. Yeah, those are always fun. You know, true crime's been like, I think it's always been a big thing, but definitely during like stay at home stuff, I feel like that genre has just been like soaring right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it'll just be nice to be back on set. I think it's a three day shoot. So looking forward to that. Oh, cool. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. I mean, uh, another thing that I think is really interesting is that you know, women did own a lot of studios back in the 20s when film first started, and there were a lot of female directors. Um, but once um, motion pictures started making a lot of money, um, a lot of Wall Street investors came to LA um, and made the big studios and shut down all the small guys. And so that's where it became very male dominated and it became a boys club. And so after that, there were no more women directors. There were no more female operated studios for a really, really long time. Really until I think like the, uh, well, maybe Ida Lupino. She was a actress who became a director um, in like the fifties. And she was the first female admitted into the DGA. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, there were a lot of films um, before that they were directed by women. Um, they just got shut down. <laughs> mm -hmm. I just can't imagine like how different it would be if that didn't happen, if they yeah. have to keep making films. What kind of like cool movies and content would be out there? Amazing like how much we take, like our daily lives are based on what we've saw on TV and movies growing up. like the idea of what a first date should be, how a man and a woman should act, you know, like that is so based on basically the male gaze, the male, you know, white men, you know, who own the studios, who made these movies and these TV shows for so long that they shaped society and the way everyone's behavior should be. Um, so, you know, and it's interesting, I didn't really become completely aware of that and until the past you know few years um really the me too movement kind of opened my eyes to a lot of that and just how um you know to what level like what degree that has impacted our society um and how you know even whether intentional or unintentional um it's really like you know pervaded like every aspect of our lives for sure. Yeah, it's funny you said it because um, uh, what Katie was saying reminded me actually of WandaVision. 
um, because Katie, to kind of tell you and, and update anyone who's listening or hasn't seen it, is like WandaVision, like obviously it's a Marvel show, but, you know, like superheroes, the main character is like played by Elizabeth Olsen, Wanda Maximoff, you know, Scar- or Scarlet Witch, as she's known. But the show, like, kind of takes us, it's almost like a mixture of a period piece and a per- and a contemporary show in the sense of every episode kind of takes us through the decades of television basically start with the 50 goes up and so you see elizabeth olsen and the other like supporting female characters their roles shift like what their characters do shift with every decade you know and the show actually makes a lot of like jokes like um pointing out to like how like women even were depicted on screen back in the 50s you know like oh yeah you know they're going to be doing this for their husbands yada 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 then as it moves forward you see them become more independent you see like all these women take up like stronger roles and it was really interesting because the show was very much pointing out just like the industry and how silly so much of like the history was in regards to women and 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 even their roles in front of the camera yeah and even having um Jack Schaefer. She mm-hmm. she knows what she's doing, you know. To me, like just and I and I and I want to use WandaVision as one of the examples because it's just so contemporary right now. Mm-hmm. But she, I think, just shows the amount of quality and skill that these women can bring behind the camera into the story because WandaVision, and as a writer, I'm going to think about the story, but also just this overall quality of film is just seamless. Um, it's hands down one of the best things that Marvel has ever done i think um and just and her role in engineering all that and making it feel so raw like she mixes this kind of quirky atmosphere with this really raw like pain the main character is going through and brings in all these different elements come from kind of the overall marvel cinematic universe you know to kind of you know treat the fans and it just works so perfectly um you know and i really credit that to her vision and she's co-written a couple of the marvel films as well i'm um, captain marvel and then black widow which you know isn't out yet but like you can just see how she thinks through all the things she's done and uses that in application to what we're seeing on screen in every episode and so it, it really I've, I've been so impressed by, by her just i don't know her vision yeah no i agree totally and just seeing like kind of, I think it's one of, I was reading one of the articles about it and just seeing how it's one of the first like Marvel storylines to really like dive into women who can have like different kind of emotional developments in their storyline and still be like considered as like villains or heroes. And it's not like emotionally driven. It's just like a part, like their emotions are who they are, but it's not like the reason why they're doing things, you know? Like they're just like really complex and well-rounded characters. Right, it's not like they're hell-bent on revenge because someone Mm -hmm. killed their father or something. It's like a, they just are a person. Mm -hmm. She's a very well-rounded character. It's not all one layer. I think that's what the overall scheme of the show is showing because I think when you think like, oh, we know what this main character Wanda is doing, you find out, oh no, it's actually not that. You know, that, that really I think shows more humanity. Like, you know, the different time periods of television. That was so cool. Just seeing like how all, I mean, I love period pieces, like the set deck and the costumes and the hair and makeup, like down to the detail. It was just done so well. 
and um, the acting was so good. The VFX was really good. I mean, the credit list for that show is like six minutes long. Um, mm -hmm. the, you know, it was just a top-notch production. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a really cool show. Really, the writing was really excellent, um, and it had a nice nice twist too. So yeah, we'll see how they wrap it up in this. I'm I'm. A I'm excited, but definitely agree with everything you said. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad both of you guys liked it. If you, all, if you both went off and hated it, that was going to be really embarrassed. I was going to be like, well, never mind. Uh, but glad, glad it lived up to expectations. Yeah, I mean, so many strong female characters in that as well. Yeah. Kat Dennings is great in it. Um, I like how they stand up to all of the traditional, like, you know, men in suits at the FBI and, mm -hmm. um, it's all really cool. I thought it was interesting, though, that in the ending credits that um, is it Elizabeth Olsen, Elizabeth Olsen yeah. <laughs> she's not the first name that comes up. I, I thought that was weird, too. I noticed that the other day, and I thought that was very bizarre because to me, it's like she's the star of the show. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, and they have a great cast, but to me, like, she's the one, like, like, she's the main character. This is really her story. And so I kind of thought that was weird too. Yeah. It just seems like it's kind of, that's like one thing that's stuck in old Hollywood where you always have to have the man first, you know, the male actor. Um, but it's WandaVision, you know, Wanda should be first and then Vision. Um, I just found that interesting. Yeah. Wait, so is it um, Vision's actor first that comes up? I yeah. think it's Paul Bettany, yeah. Oh. Yeah. What? Yeah, those are like realize. the little details that I always look at. I like, I like watching the credits, and um, those are things I find interesting. You know, especially I mean, I look at movie posters too to see how they list, um, you know, the stars and the uh, up there. Like I think there was, you know, I forget which movie. It was like the remake of Overboard, um, and it was clearly you know starring Anna Faris was like yeah. clearly like the lead but you know and the other and she was much more famous than her co-star but he had like the top billing on the poster just things like that I find really interesting these days mm -hmm. but we're still making progress uh Chloe Zhao won best director she's only the oh. second female ever to win best director at the Golden Globes after um Barbara Streisand won for Yentl in the 80s um, for her directorial debut. And so Chloe Zhao was like the first Asian American woman ever to be nominated um, and she won. So that was really cool. She also produced, wrote and edited the film um, that she won for. So, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, I love how I love that. What a great way to kick off Women's History Month. You know, that's really cool. And it's hopefully, you know, she's the first or second of many. You know, I, I'm, I'm still kind of stunned that it's been since the 80s, you know, that, you know, another woman is one. But I'm so happy for her. I mean, what a, what a great accomplishment. Um, and that just, that's such a great inspiration, I think. I still haven't seen that movie, though, Best Picture drama nomad lands so i have to figure out where to see that yeah i need to watch yeah. it yeah i just found it on hulu the other day actually i've added it to my list so I'm getting ready to watch it 
It's about a woman who, I think it was, it was filmed before the pandemic, but it's um, Frances McDormand, she stars in it. It's just like a woman who lost everything in the Great Recession in mm -hmm. 2008. Um, and so she just starts living in a van as a nomad. And it's just her journey through the American West as a, you know, older woman um, in, the, in the US, just trying to live out of a van. Um, so I feel like that would be pretty interesting and it's very topical right now, especially because a, a lot of people are, you know, have lost their homes due to COVID. Very pertinent right now. Yeah, so next talking a little bit about Bridgerton, um, it basically takes place in about 19th century London and it's based off of a book by the same name, Bridgerton, by Julia Quinn. And some of the producers are Shonda Rhimes, Betsy Beers, uh, who else, Chris Van Dersen. Yeah, so below we shared a interview that was done with the casting director for Bridgerton. And she kind of talks a little bit about her advice for actors when they go into a casting session. And she also gives some uh, really just fun, interesting behind the scenes look at what it was like casting for the project too. Um, so yeah, Bridgerton is one of the, it came out on Christmas day and it's one of the most streamed and popular series on Netflix right now. Yeah, um, I love Bridgerton. I loved how like bright and colorful it was and how inclusive it was. I don't think I've ever seen a period piece like that that was, you know, so inclusive of minorities, um, especially starring in something like that. Um, so yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Um, I haven't read the book, so I don't know if that's what they're like or if that's just Shonda's take on it, but either way, I really liked it. Um, and I thought she did a really good job looking at the women's different roles in the society as well. And, you know, just looking at how, you know, just women's, not with all women just want to get married <laughs> and that maybe they should have a choice. Um, I thought it was also interesting, you know, the whole really exploring in the society, if you weren't going to be married, what your options were, um, especially for like the young woman who was with child, um, you know, uh, the harsh reality of maybe living on the street poor, not being able to raise her child. Um, you know, if she didn't marry some old man that she had no attraction to. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And, um, you know, Shonda is just a really amazing example of a strong, powerful woman in Hollywood that started her own company that allows, you know, she's, she's at the top. She can make shows and she can employ women you know above and below the line and we just need more women like that in order to get women in all crew positions um yeah she's fantastic i have a really um i've got a good friend who um is an audio uh, a sound recordist and she does audio remixing um for gray's anatomy and for other shows and she loves working for shondaland so I hear good things. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah, good to hear too. <laughs> yeah. I love that we have like examples like Shonda um, at the top who can just like employ other women and like bring them to light too. I think that's important. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Um, look forward to checking out the um, recording once you got that all edited together. And um, Dylan, I'll be in touch with any details. Perfect, yeah, thank you so much, it's awesome. Right. Okay.
All right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon.